Happy almost New Year. It's great to be with you. I just, I'm, I'm going to use an iPad, and my iPad just had a little burp on me, so that's what I get for trying to use technology up here. So if, if you are like um, many people, you've probably, over the last uh, several days or weeks, been thinking back to 2017 and trying to assess what kind of a year it was for you. For some of you, it probably was an amazing year and you think you've really been blessed and you really don't want it to end. For others, it's been a challenging year and you've had a lot of things you've had to deal with, you've had challenges that were difficult. But wherever you are on that spectrum, you probably also have been looking forward to 2018, which is tomorrow. Can you believe, did it go fast? I can't believe, tomorrow is 2018. So most of you have been looking out to 2018 and what you've been trying to do is figure out what goals you can set to make 2018 a fruitful year for you, for your family, for your business. And in this context, we call those what? New Year's resolutions, right? Everybody's been hearing about New Year's resolutions. Um, and I've got some bad news for you. Statistics would say that New Year's resolutions um, don't work very well. That actually 60% of you who have set New Year's resolutions um, going into 2018, will stop trying to achieve them by the end of January. And so Chris was talking about the Bible reading plan. Please don't make that one of your New Year's resolutions. <laughs> and, and in addition, only 8% of the New Year's resolutions that you start today will um, make it through the finish line by the end of the year. So that's pretty discouraging, right? So as a, as a church body and as individuals, if we're looking at what we're going to do for 2018, I propose that we don't take our New Year's resolutions as what we're going to put our stake in the ground on for 2018. What I propose we do uh, is look at the Word of God. As apprentices of Jesus, what I'm going to encourage us to do today is focus in on God's Word and see what He would have for us for 2018. How does that sound? Amen. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to look at a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples in the final hours of his life before he went to the cross and to be with his father. Um, he had been with the disciples for now about three years. The disciples had been by his side all the time. They ate together. They drank together. Um, they saw miracles together. And uh, one author said that the disciples had the dust of Jesus' sandals on their robes. So, so they were that tight-knit. And um, these are just hours away from Jesus leaving them. And they would be on their own to live life and to do ministry without being there, Jesus being there physically in their presence. So here's the picture. Um, the upper room, the place of the Last Supper, Jesus with his disciples, and um, him trying to impart to them all the things that they would need to go on in life and in ministry without him. This was the, the place that Jesus um, washed their feet in a way to show them humility and servanthood. This was a place that he encouraged them to love each other like he loved them as a sign of unity and love and showing that they were his disciples. This was the place that he talked about I'm leaving, but the Holy Spirit is coming, and you should feel good about that, that somebody is coming to be a helper, somebody to support you. 
And at the end of that conversation, uh, Jesus knew his time was up, and he told the disciples, let us go. And he started to walk from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane near the Mount of Olives. And in that conversation, he had this conversation that is in um, John 15, and that's what we're going to focus in on today. So if you all could turn your Bibles to John 15, and we're going to read chapter, one, chapter 15, verse 1 through verse 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, and apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray this morning for this group of people and for myself that you would use your word to penetrate our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would use it to heal us, to encourage us, to nourish us, and that, Lord, we would just understand more about what was on your heart with your disciples just hours before you were about to go to the cross, Lord. And we just pray that that would be something that we could apply to our lives here in Santa Barbara today, moving into the new year. So I lift up this time. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in this room. And again, I pray that the words that I speak would be words that come directly from your spirit. We pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. So again, these are some of the words. This is a, a, a section of scripture that probably a lot of you are very familiar with. And I'm going to break it into three chunks, three components, and we're going to dive into it and spend a little bit of time. Uh, the first thing I'm going to do is talk about the roles. In this, Jesus talks about what his role is, what the Father's role is, and what the disciples' role is. And we can look at ourselves as the disciples in that. We're also going to talk about the posture, so how Jesus is calling us to live after he leaves in connection with him, and then I'm gonna talk about the result. I'm gonna talk about the fruit that Jesus, um, uh, that will come from our connection with Jesus. So first, to talk a little bit about the roles. In verse one, it talks about I am the true vine. And this is the seventh I am statement that Jesus is making to his disciples. And what he's trying to do is make the point that he is the one and only. He's already said in previous scripture, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world, I am the door of the sheep, I am the good shepherd, I'm the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life, and now I am the true vine. So you see, he's, try he's trying every angle he can to get a point across to his disciples 
that I am the one. And the vine is a relevant example to these disciples for a couple different reasons. Number one, they're in wine country. So before Paso Robles became wine country, Jerusalem was wine country. And um, they would be very familiar with vines and branches and vineyards and caretakers. So this is something the disciples would really understand. In addition, they're walking from um, the upper room to Mount Olives. And in that path, there would be lots of um, vines and branches and there would be vineyards along the way. And it's possible that actually this conversation took place in a vineyard um, with Jesus and his disciples. The other thing is the vine is actually used as a reference in the Old Testament. And what it's used to describe is the nation of Israel. And it's actually used to describe an incomplete or uh, unfruitful vine. And Jesus is now saying, what couldn't be done through the nation of Israel is gonna be done through me. I am the true vine. And in horticulture, in winemaking, in growing grapes, the vine is the, um, the, the strength. It's really what um, everything grows from. It's, built, it's put into very cultivated dirt. It's the, 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 basically the foundation of everything that happens at the winery. And in this conversation, he's telling the disciples that nothing happens if it doesn't come through me. So you cannot bear fruit. You cannot really do anything unless you're attached to the vine. The second thing is the father is the vine dresser. And a vine dresser, that's an interesting word, but a vine dresser is basically a farmer for grapes. And a vine dresser is a, a very specific, specialized talent. And what they do is they're responsible for cultivating the earth, they're responsible for pruning the vines and the branches, they're responsible for the timing of fertilization and watering, and everything happens through um, the vine dresser. And the vine dresser in this example is God the Father. And lastly is the disciples, which are called branches. So in the vineyard you have the ground, you have the vine, and you have little branches coming off, and that's how he describes the disciples. And he describes them in two ways. There's two different examples of disciples of um, branches. One is a branch that does not bear fruit, and a branch that does not bear fruit is not connected to the vine, and withers and eventually dies and is bundled up and thrown into the fire. The branch that is connected to the vine bears fruit, is pruned, and then bears more fruit. So there's two uh, examples of disciples, two examples of branches. We all want to be the example of the branch connected to the vine, not the branch that's disconnected the vine that withers and dies and is bundled up and thrown in the fire. Okay? So those are the three players in our scene, and um, there's a couple of things I want to focus in on in terms of the roles. The first thing is dependence versus independence. So if you look at what he was talking about in the context of the relationship between the vine, the branch, and the, and the vine dresser, basically what he said is you have to be connected to the vine to bear fruit. And the, the, the context difference is for, for us in our culture, everything that we hear tells us that we should be independent, we should be self-reliant, we should be self-sufficient. And that's how we live our lives. So, and that's how we drive everything that we do if we're not connected to the vine. So the contrast that I want you all to think about in your life, the way you live, is are you living your life connected to the vine 
dependent on the vine for everything, or are you living independent of the vine? And if you're living independent of the vine, what I probably would argue that you're probably feeling is you're feeling weariness, you feel like you're withering, and the, the problem is you need to connect to the vine. So my challenge to us here is if you're feeling that and you're feeling in any area of your life, in your work life, in your relationships, in any area of your life, if you're not connected to the vine, you're in the wrong place and you need to work on that. The second thing is the vine dresser. I thought this was a really interesting section to think about. Is the vine dresser, their entire livelihood is around caring for the vines in the branches. So they're pruning off those, if you, anybody knows about planting, pruning is something that um, looks bad when it's done, but ultimately it provides benefits. The other things that they do is they take the branches that are running along the ground, maybe they have dirt on them or they have a mold on them, and prop them up and give them light. They deal with the insects, they deal with the diseases. So the vine dresser is, is caring for, with love and uh, time and energy, um, he's caring for the branch, but he's pruning it. What it says in, in the scripture is that the branch that bears fruit gets pruned so it can bear more fruit, okay? So if you're connected to the vine, what I want you to know right now is you're being pruned. Whether you know it or not, you're being pruned. So the question for us in our, in our life circumstances, again, in our relationships, in those difficult times, are you realizing that God the Father, as the vine dresser, is pruning you? And if he is pruning you, what is he pruning you for? He's pruning you to bear more fruit. So what you need to think about is those things that you're going through right now, if I really understood, if you really understood that this is a process of the vine dresser pruning me to be more fruitful, would you think about it differently? Would you think there's more purpose to it? Would you even cooperate more? I'd encourage you guys to think about, is the vine dresser trying to prune me and I'm resisting it? Is there something going on in my life where I feel there's this nudge to prune, but I'm holding back? Is there a sin in my life that I'm persisting in, that the vine dresser wants to prune off, that I'm unwilling to give up? So the two things in the roles is your independence versus your dependence, and then secondly, it's, is the vine dresser who's pruning you, are you cooperating with what he's doing? Are you even realizing that these things in your life are being dealt with as a way to make you more fruitful? The second point is the posture. And this is really, as we read through this scripture, the word abide was used 10 times. And John uses it um, 53 times in the gospel and in his letters. So this is a word that John really likes to use. And abide is a word that in Greek is the word meno. And what that means is to remain, to stay, to make a home in. So if you think about the context of this conversation, Jesus is talking to his disciples hours before he's gonna leave them. So what he's trying to express to them is, you need to stay connected to me even though I'm leaving. And he talks about abide in several different ways. He talks about abiding in him and abiding in his love, but he also talks about abiding in his word. So Chris was talking earlier about if there was one thing you could do in 2018, it would be get into your Bibles and read scripture. Well, Jesus is telling the uh, disciples right here that you need to abide in my words. 
The other thing he says is you need to abide in my commands. He also says you need to abide in prayer. So as Jesus is talking to the disciples and talking about the posture that they need to take as he leaves, it's a posture of making a home in their lives for him, making a a home in their lives for the word, making a home in their lives for his commands and for prayer. So, So that's the the kind of the setting for how we need to relate to Jesus. And if you think about what most of us went through who live here in the area over the last um, several weeks with the Thomas fire, um, one thing that I think the officials did really well is they prepared us for what was going to happen. And one of the things that they encouraged us to do is have a survival kit. And hopefully everybody here had one and didn't have to use it. But basically, their survival kit was um, water, food, um, maybe some essentials, maybe uh, your computer programs that you really need, things like that. But these are the things that you need to basically get through life in this difficult situation with the smoke and the fire and the power outages. The things that Jesus is talking about the disciples abiding in, that's basically the the, um, the same thing that he's trying to talk to his disciples about. I'm leaving, but I have a survival kit for you when I leave, and that survival kit is abiding in me, abiding in my love, abiding in my commands, of abiding in prayer. And the thing we need to think about in terms of abiding is it seems like it's really hard, and people struggle with how do I abide? Um, I hear things like, I'm so weary, I'm so tired, I'm so busy. It's really difficult to spend quality time and abide with God. Um, And I think what the issue really is, is we all abide in something. But I think we've been convinced that there's a different survival kit than the one we're talking about here. And the survival kit is um, personal success, possessions, prosperity, And those are the things we pursue, and those are the things that suck up our time, and those are the things we abide in. So I think the challenge that we would have um, this morning would be, is our survival kit for life? Going in again, the context for this is we're making a big step into 2018 tomorrow. And how do we want to step into the new year? And what we want to step into the new year with is the survival kit that Jesus put together for the disciples and in turn is put together for us. And that's abiding in him, abiding in his word, abiding in his commands, and abiding in prayer. Lastly, um, no, not lastly. Um, Sometimes it helps to actually um, have a picture of something. So in Luke, um, there's an amazing example um, that I'd like to read to you about abiding that I think will resonate. Most of you know the Martha and Mary story, but I'm going to read that to you, and, and I think hopefully that will bring home a little bit more what um, abiding looks like. And this is Luke 10, verse 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went to him and said, Lord, do do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. 
But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which, she, which will not be taken away from her. So if you, if you look at this um, little set of scripture um, and you look at Martha and Mary, it's not about abiding is sitting on the couch and not abiding is working hard. It's really a heart thing that I think is really shown here as, as you look at Mary and Martha. And um, it seems like Martha is probably going to be anxious whether she's serving or whether she's sitting at Jesus' feet. And I would imagine Mary would have a light spirit about her even if she was doing the dishes. So we, as we think about abiding, again, it's this deep uh, remaining consistent um, focus on time with Jesus. And that's really what Jesus is calling his disciples to. Last but not least is the outcome. So as vines, as branches connected into the vine, um, being pruned and cared for by the Father, abiding in Jesus, the outcome of that naturally is fruit. So what it talks about at the end is connected branches bear fruit. As they get pruned, they bear more free fruit, and ultimately they bear much fruit. So what is fruit? In this context, fruit is several different things. Fruit is what we've heard about in terms of Christ-like characteristics in our life that's described in Galatians. So it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But it's also Christ-like actions. It's serving and, and good works, as talk about in Matthew. And it's also fruit that comes from repentance. So it's as we turn away from ungodly things and turn to God and godly things, there's fruit in that transformation. So that's what fruit looks like. And again, this is not something that as a branch, which we all are, we have to work toward getting. This is something that by connecting and abiding happens automatically. So the fruit that we're going to be generating is not being produced by ourselves. We're just the vessel that bears the fruit by being connected and by abiding in Jesus. So, so there's some results of this fruit bearing that takes place, and, and this is really the important thing. This is really the goal that we should have in our life. So if we look at 2018 and what am I going to strive for, the connection to Jesus and then the abiding in Jesus, which produces fruit that, that we bear, this is God-glorifying, and that's a, that, you know, that's a big Christian word, glorifying, but what that does is honors God. So as we display these characteristics, as we display these ways of serving, as we display this transformation in our lives, that's something that honors God. And it's also something that Jesus says will prove that you're my disciples. So if we look at what the outcome is, what the result is of this connecting and abiding, it's fruit being born that glorifies God and also proves that we're his disciples. So as we, as we close, I, I love the way Jesus, in, again, this is in hours before he's going to the cross, how he closes the loop on this conversation. What he says is, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. So again, think about the context. He's with his disciples. He's just, 
He's just been bombarding them with truth, trying to get them prepared for what life is gonna be like after he leaves. And he's tying it in a bow and saying, hey, I've told you these things for a reason because I want you to be joyful. So think about the, the context there. They're, they're gonna be losing Jesus. They've spent three years with him side by side, you know, walking every step along with him, and he's gonna be gone. How could they be joyful? And what he wants them to understand is the big picture here. And the big picture is where he's going and what he's doing. And he, that's where he gets his joy, for the joy set before him when he goes to the cross. He wants them to understand that too. So as he closes the loop, he basically says, hey, I've told you all these things because I want you not to be bummed out that I'm leaving. I want you to be joyful. And I want you to be joyful for one reason. I'm the savior of the world. And I'm doing this for a purpose. I'm leaving you for a purpose. And um, I think that's such an amazing way to close the loop on this conversation with him. So just to, to summarize what we've talked about this morning is um, tomorrow is 2018. Um, again, some of you have had great years. Some of you have had horrible years. But all of us are stepping into the new year tomorrow um, with a blank slate. You know, we can do a total reset tomorrow. And Jesus, in talking his, to his disciples hours before he went to the cross, wanted to um, basically provide um, everything that they needed so that they would be able to walk into this new season of life and, and, and of ministry um, successfully. And he wants the same thing for us as a church, and he wants the same thing for you as individuals. And what he, the way he described it again is this relationship between the Father, the Son, and us. Again, he's the vine, we're the branch, and the Father is the caretaker. And again, what we need to make sure we're doing, if you're not connected to Jesus, the challenge today is to get connected to Jesus. If you're not embracing the um, pruning that the Father is doing in your life to refine you and make you more Christ-like, embrace the pruning that's going on in your life so that you can become more Christ-like. And as you get pruned, as you stay connected, what happens is this amazing fruit is born. And this amazing fruit is great Christ-like characteristics. It's great ways that you show through service glory to God. And it's also um, a transformation in your life. And again, that brings glory to God, and it's a witness to other people. Um, so that's the challenge for us all this morning. So as I call the worship team um, to come up, um, what I'd like to do, again, is have you all... Um, Take the time that we have during the second set of worship to practice abiding. And what that means is just sit with God, sit with Jesus, and, and have him reveal to you through this scripture in, in John 15, have him reveal to you where you're connected and where you're disconnected. Have him reveal to you how you can abide more with him in the new season. And again, the fruit will happen automatically. So don't stress out about the fruit. The fruit isn't your job. Connecting and abiding is our job. So let me close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time this morning. And again, we thank you for your word. We pray that the word would uh, transform us. And we pray again, as we step into a new year in 2018, we pray, Lord, that we would be more connected to you, that we would uh, learn to abide in your presence, in your love, in your word with your commands, and Lord, we just pray that we would stay connected and unified in prayer. So again, we just pray for these next few minutes that these words in the songs would just uh, kind of just roll over us, Lord, and that we would have an amazing sense of your presence 
And again, we just thank you for who you are and the fact that, again, you are our everything. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.